friends. Welcome back to The Simple Truth with Kent and Karen. It's so great to have you back with us. And if you were listening recently, you would note that we did a podcast on conflict resolution. And this came out of a conversation with uh, a couple of our, our, our married children who said, we'd love to, to hear about how do we resolve conflict. And so this is, this is conflict resolution part two. And in part two, we're going to uh, take a little bit of a different uh, approach to this. Different, not in the sense that it's way outside the box, but different in the sense that it's a little more honest, if you Mm. will, and a little more direct. Because so so often when we are in a situation involving conflict resolution, there is an elephant in the room that we often don't address. So we mentioned a quote last week from Tim and Kathy Keller from their book. And the quote simply says, if two spouses each say, I'm going to treat myself as the main problem in the marriage, you have the prospect of a truly great marriage. I'll say it again, just in case you missed that. If two spouses each say, I'm going to treat myself as the main problem in the marriage, you have the prospect of a truly great marriage. Now, I know that is quite a mouthful, but they're actually suggesting that it, it in what they're saying, it, it is some pretty essential ingredients mm. in there of humility and laying your life down for the other. Yeah, and I think in the early days of marriage or even in marriage preparation or even longing to be married, there's a sense of, yeah, I want to lay my life down for another person. But the reality is, is that very early in the relationship, you notice that there's actually a lot of self-interest going on and a lot of self-protection. And so today we're kind of talking about how selfishness really is partly at the heart of conflict. It, it's so true. And as we see the world around us, so many people are saying the world's getting darker and darker and darker. And it's true, it is. What are we saying? Are we seeing people becoming more loving? Or are we actually seeing people become more selfish? Well, it's, it's actually that they're becoming more selfish. In fact, for the last number of years, well over 10, we've been using this word to describe our society and calling it a narcissistic mm-hmm. society. It's coming out a lot now, isn't And it? Uh, even in counseling, we hear... Uh, wives telling us that their husbands are, are narcissistic, narcissistic or their yeah. their husbands telling their us their wives are narcissistic and and there may be some truth in this but mm-hmm. uh, if you wonder where that word comes from there was an ancient god named Narcissus who looked into a pool and became sexually aroused with himself and he is the origin of this word narcissistic and uh, so if we set aside the sexual part of it just it's it's narcissism involves a self-absorption and before we label a person with it we need to understand that without the grace of god at work in our lives we are i am a self-absorbed person and this is at the root of our sinful nature yes um we call it carnality or like our flesh actually has a selfish bent but i think today actually um seeing all the different things that we have on our phone social media it really feeds this whole idea of self-interest doesn't it it can in a very dark way actually so but when it comes to so don't be condemned in this we're trying to be honest with you when it comes to resolving conflict Uh, One of the things that I struggle with is actually to lay down my life, Mm. to try and not fight for what I want, not try and just express my point, not try and just win an argument, but actually lay all that down. Because I promised to do this years ago Mm. when I 
pledged my vows to God and to Karen, and I've, I've struggled to do it consistently, but I know that on those few times when I did get it, love flowed in our relationship at a whole different level. But the mm-hmm. fact of the matter is, at my core, and especially without God, I can be a selfish person. And, and mm-hmm. we bring that selfishness into conflict because we're usually fighting for something that we want. Right. And I'm quite humbled myself because I think about the many different um, intense fellowship that we have had, <laughs> which is another funny word for fighting. Conflict. Um, conflict. Um, I have, you know, longed to be heard and understood and known, but that doesn't actually produce a whole lot. That's actually a selfish desire that wants to be heard and known. So there's not a lot of giving at that point. And I think most couples go through this. I think everybody actually goes through this battle. Um, So we're picking it apart today, not like you said, to bring anybody into condemnation, but to kind of highlight something that maybe we've forgotten. Uh, Is it really at the root of a lot of trouble? Yeah. And if we're, if we're right, if your experience is similar to ours, if you deal with selfishness, you actually take a huge edge off of the conflict and take a huge leap forward in resolving conflict in a godly way. Now, it does, we're not saying that conflict goes away. Mm. We're just saying if you take yourself out of the equation as far as fighting for your own needs and your own wants, mm. then you are free to actually serve the other person and you can seek understanding, you can listen, mm. you can even be corrected or humbled. Um, and it's, it's hard, though, when you want to be heard, because really what you're doing is you're trusting God and saying, Lord, I want all of these things, but I'm going to try and trust you to bring them about. I can mention them to my spouse. I can even ask my spouse, but I don't have to demand or fight for my way. There you go. There you go. You know, I think I wonder if um, selfishness, what's at the core of it, do you think it's an inability to trust God? I think it's I think it's there um, because in some ways we would say we trust God we right, all trust God right. um, or a level of trust right but in the but at the same time when you see me fighting for my rights mm. apparently I don't trust God mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and and so this is the tough thing about laying down your rights it's, it's very the, hard it's the opposite of secular humanism that really characterizes our society today mm-hmm. you know um, in the recent Seeds of the Kingdom post which is a great little devotional you could get. Um, on online from LL Ministries International, um, the author encouraged us to put on God's protection. We need to take off our own protection, and so specifically, we you know we need you know our own righteousness. And the argument of being a moral person today has become so distorted by humanistic thinking and 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 self de- definitions. And so you know it's something that is real and needed. And so often, you know, it's that I'm a good person or right. I'm going to pose like a oh, good person good. or I want to seem like a good person and, and I craft this own morality. But, mm. but for those of us who follow Jesus, God's word is very clear that says the only righteousness is found in Christ alone. Because for mm. us, if you look at Isaiah 64, it reminds us that all of us have become like ones unclean and our, our best righteous acts, our best morality are like filthy, ra- filthy rags and... You know, so but the 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 opposite of that is also true that if we confess our sins and and who we are at our core and and literally the way that we sin against each other and against God, then actually God's faithful to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So at its core hmm. is recognizing it's not beating yourself right. down, right? It's just realizing, Lord, I'm coming at this totally 
opposite. I'm not coming at this as a godly person naturally. Mm. I'm trying to be a godly person and it's not natural. So in other words, I can be selfish and fight for what I want my naturally. Right. But in order to be loving, I have to learn how to lay down myself so I can serve the other person in love. It's almost like we need a little bit of a reminder of, I, I call it like like being in reality. Mm-hmm. And of course we know we're selfish. I know that. I know that about myself. I'm sure you know that about yourself. But it's, a, it's, it's, it's not a condemnation like you said, but it's coming into a right agreement with God that I am really selfishly driven. And so I need God's perspective. I need God's righteousness to help me uh, change my thinking, to help me change my mindset, to actually just be in agreement and say, I have a selfish bent. And so, Lord, I need you to help me in my marriage um, lay that part of myself down, not just at the altar when we give our vows, but actually on a pretty frequent basis, um, see how we're dealing with conflict. Um, you know, it's almost like stepping back and, and going, how am I trying to get my spouse to hear me or to understand me? Am I fighting harder than I should be? That's so true. And I, I think if you could reflect, we weren't there uh, with you and your spouse or you and your roommate or you and your parents. Mm-hmm. And, you know, in the conflict that you've had or maybe a coworker, uh, not all conflict is the result of selfishness. But what we're saying is, is is if your own needs and your selfishness is on the forefront, it's very hard to be loving and work towards conflict in a godly way. And so when we when we try conflict resolution and all these kind of things, there's some really great skills there that are available to us that we're not discussing. What we're discussing is the heart attitude and motive that we come to conflict with. And so the, we just want to read a couple of quotes to you that have really been uh, speaking to us as we've been preparing to talk about this subject. Here's one here. It says, now, of course, there can be issues in any relationship, maybe even big ones. But unless you submit yourself to Jesus in a deeply passionate way so that you want to live for him and love him, then laying down your life is going to be a constant struggle. This is the foundation of loving well in marriage. Isn't that a great wow. quote? Wow, 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 so wow. So Karen's got one here too. Yeah, so this one is a quote from Larry Crabb. Um, he says, The first concern in building a marriage is not defining submission or headship, but addressing the reality of selfishness in both spouses' hearts until the celebration of their forgiveness creates a hunger to follow God with all their heart, soul, and mind and strength, and to spend their lives in service to others, especially their mates. So, so this is it. In order to serve hmm. others, I have to be second. If I'm always first, hmm. I can't serve someone else. And, and if you look at conflict, Karen and I have done this, uh, not perfectly, but we've looked no. at some of our conflict and we've, we've had to ask the question, are we trying to serve ourselves in this? Or are we trying to serve the other person? And you know, when we, when we lay down what we want in ourselves, and try to serve the other person, it's amazing how we can work towards great solutions together. Oh, absolutely. And so what does it look like to lovingly lay down our lives for each other? And, you know, it's it's a good reminder to, to say that nobody forces that on us. You know, not even Jesus forces that no. on us. It's an invitation. Absolutely. And I think when we experience that invitation or we you know uh, welcome that invitation i think something really happens in our heart and it changes us and i think at its core here we're talking about trusting god at a whole new level in a way that develops a passion in us that we want 
to learn to love mm. well. And to learn to love well and learn to love like him involves laying down our lives. Mm. Here's another quote uh, from Larry Crabb. He said, when self-interest continues as the dominant commitment of our lives, we devote our energy to serving ourselves above all others, and then we are wrongly self-centered. This is the form of self-interest, which is far more serious and danger problem than the wounds we suffer at the hands of others. Let me just read that last part again. This form of self-interest is a far more serious and dangerous problem than the wounds we suffer at the hands of others. Now, here we are talking mm. to you as a couple who lead a healing ministry, and we certainly have spoken to you before and will again about the importance of God's healing mm. in our lives for our wounds. These are real. We need yes. His healing. And, and we're not saying that's not important, but this is a great reality check. He's actually saying that our, our selfishness and our self-centeredness is a bigger problem than our wounds. Mm, in fact, good. I would even add, sometimes our wounds, if they're not healed, they then feed the self-centeredness. Oh, so it gets worse instead of better. I agree. I yeah. agree. Yeah. Yes. So the, 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 here's one more quote. Uh, maybe there's another. Did you want to read that yeah, one? Yeah, I will. Self-centeredness is a killer. Oh, in, great news. In every bad relationship, it's the deadliest culprit. Poor communication, temper problems, unhealthy responses to dysfunctional family backgrounds, codependent relationships, and personal incompatibility, everything... Um, unless medically caused, flows out of the cesspool of self-centeredness. So hmm. that's quite a mouthful. In case you're thinking this is being hard on you, um, it's hard on us mm -hmm. because it brings about this reality. If I approach conflict resolution from a point of selfishness, I'm not approaching it from a place of godliness. Hmm. So stop right there because I've resolved in my life that I wanted to live it for Jesus. And I wanted to try and love my wife mm. in a way that serves her. So yes, we need to deal with conflict. But if I put myself first, I'm not actually loving her as Christ loved the church. If she puts herself first, she's not loving me as Christ loved the church and giving her life up. And so that this is the, the hard thing is that... Uh, laying your life down for each other is a daily, th daily oh thing. Oh my goodness, yes, and that's why this is this is a bit humbling for us as we speak because it's a, such a good reminder, and we kind of look back, I'm sure, and say, oh my goodness, like how many times has selfishness won over? How many times, you know, we had good intent and good hearts, but really at the core of it. Um, yeah, ourself came first. We put ourselves first. And so then it, it like caused all these problems. And sometimes the conflict got very complicated mm -hmm. because it's hard to unpick. So, you know, um, one of the things that we talk about often on this podcast is dealing with the wounded places. Yes. Allowing Jesus to bring healing to some of those wounded places. Um, but at the same time, this is a really good reminder to go along right alongside that. And long, Lord, in the midst of being wounded, in the midst of being sinful and, you know, receiving Christ and understanding what he's done for me, being a disciple of Christ, what does it look like to be aware that my selfishness still is a real problem and, and to submit it to him and to bring it to him and I, I guess just to be in reality about it. That's, so it's, it's kind of hitting me in a good way today as we talk about this and it's a good reminder and I feel a little bit like oh lord I'm I'm so sorry 
you know, all those intents sort of at the beginning of a relationship, at, you know, when you make that preparation to walk down the aisle and to be prepared to be married, all those intents are there, aren't they? And, uh, but, but we lose them along the way. And uh, that makes me a little bit sad. I think one of the things is, you know, some people can be listening and say, well, what, what do I do then about my needs? And what do I do about what my mm-hmm. spouse is doing or not doing? And what do I do about that? It, we're not saying you don't address it. There's there's times where you make your needs known, but then you leave mm. it and you trust God to speak to them about That's it. Good. And if, if you're married to a Christian, then you have a lot of things working in your favor. If you're married to someone who's not a Christian, it doesn't mean that God can't talk to them or move them. The fact of the matter is your gentleness in s- submitting your needs to them will be much more effective than trying to fight for those needs to be met. See, because when, you, when you're gentle, you're offering it to them as information but when you're in conflict you're fighting over it you're trying to either push it on them or you're trying to pull something out of them Hmm. neither one works effectively Hmm. so just from a sheer strategic standpoint it's just much more productive Hmm. when we can be uh, not just softer but more submitted to God in this and um, yeah did you want to read that you go ahead (laughs) okay it says here um, as within every situation involving conflict we must spend 90% of the work on shifting from self-centeredness that feels justified to other-centeredness that flows naturally from a repentant heart. Wow. I'm going to read that one again too because it's really key. This if you is think Larry about, Crabb again. If you think about uh, it yourself in a conflict, I, I read this and thought about, you know, where do I spend nine-tenths of my energy? in every With every situation involving conflict, we must invest 90% of the work on shifting from self-centeredness that we feel is justified to other centeredness that flows naturally from a repentant heart. That 90% of the work in resolving conflict is getting the focus off ourselves. Wow. I, I mean, that was so sobering. Yeah, it is, isn't it? You know, is that where I spend 90% of my efforts when we're in conflict? I, I'm not going to answer for you. No, well, I can answer it myself. <laughs> but I will answer for myself, and I will say, for me, it's probably 98% <laughs> of my efforts are are spent in trying to get my needs heard or met. And it's, you know, I love I love what he says at the end here. You know, it feels justified. That wound that's been triggered, that wound that's been touched, that selfish nature that's been awakened. And almost like 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 a monster, right? Yeah. Um, if it, you know, it, it, it yeah. It, I just I when he talks about a repentant heart, I just think, oh Lord, yes, I think we do need to repent. And as we've been preparing for this podcast, I just thought, wow, um, we do a lot of different repenting, you know, for sins and you know, forgiving people that you know we that have hurt us and wounded us and 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 all those things. But when you brought this up about selfishness, I thought, wow, I don't know if we naturally repent for our selfishness. Um, it's not something that you know I do on a regular basis, and so it's kind of tenderized me. Um, and it's made me aware of I do I do want my heart to be soft in this area, because I think it, there's a little key there. And we had talked earlier, uh, along with the whole idea of repentance, 
that one of the keys of why we're selfish is often because there's a, a, a broken trust with the Lord. You know, that the Lord isn't enough, that he isn't enough to fill my needs. He isn't enough to protect me. He isn't enough. You know, we kind of know in our heads that he is enough. We've got a lot of scripture that we could pull out to say, you know, the faithfulness and the goodness of God. But somewhere deep inside the core of me, it's like, yeah, I don't, I don't know. So I've got to fight for my own way. I've got to fight for my own protection. And it's like, and I think as as Christians, you know, how, how old you are in Christ, and we've walked with the Lord for a long time now, not perfectly, no. but there's a maturity that God's asking us to grow up into. And it's like, ooh. It's an invitation. It's an invitation. It's a little bit painful, but but it's it needs to come. And the only way it's going to come is for me to face some of these things and for me to say, ooh, there's selfishness there. Well, I think, too, the other thing is when you've tried a conflict a certain way, yeah. you do reach a point of weariness and it's say, not working. it's not working. Many couples reach to the point of saying, it's not working. We're in the same old cycle, the same old conflict, the same old this, the same old that. And we understand that those can be very troubling times. Mm. We're not trying to offer a quick fix here. In fact, it it, it can be a very uh, difficult pill to swallow, if you will. Mm. But when you can learn how to love like Jesus... Guys, it's a much lighter yoke. It is. And the fruit of our relationships can shift and change. We can actually work through conflict much more progressively, much more effectively when we're not worried about ourselves. See, because at the core, and we don't have time to unpack this, maybe save it for another day. Okay. (laughs) Jesus knew who he was in his Father in heaven, so he didn't have to fight for his rights. He could lay down his life. It was freedom. It wasn't bondage. We're the ones in bondage when we're constantly fighting for ourselves and don't realize the security that we actually have in God. So let me give you a couple of thoughts on this, or we'll give you a couple of thoughts. Number one, just go back to the scriptures and say, Lord, will you open my eyes to see this sinful nature in a fresh way? And at the same time, think about the last few situations of conflict and what you were fighting for, not just what you were fighting for, but how you went about it. And did selfishness play a role? If it didn't, hey, congratulations, maybe you've done really won some big victories. And again, it, we're not saying it eliminates conflict, it frees you to move it to a new place of resolve. So that's the first thing, is look at scripture and look at your past behavior and bring that to the Lord and ask him to speak to you. The second thing is when you when you do see some selfishness, understand that it's not just a matter of sucking it up or kicking yourself into a better behavior, but actually it's an issue of submission and say, Lord, I'm, I'm worrying too much about myself here. I want to bring that to you, lay it down so you, and trust you to take care of me. And then show me how to move into this relationship in a way that I'm serving my, my spouse, my coworker, my business that I, uh, my team that I support at work, uh, my, my church, wherever the conflict may be, how do I move into this as a servant of Jesus instead of as a servant of me and trust you to take care of my needs? And now remember, there is a time and there is a place to bring our needs forward, but not first, at least second, sometimes much later, and sometimes the Lord will even lead you to set those aside. Just a couple of thoughts that we hope are helpful. And again, we know this is this may not feel good to as we hear, but it's a real key. Mm-hmm. And we want to pray with you before we go, because we believe that the, as we've asked the Lord to say, Lord, show us how to speak to this issue of resolving conflict. 
we feel like he gave us a gift here and we hope that it comes clear for you guys so father we just come to you um as we are and just confess today that we do have such selfishness at the core of who we are because of sin we want to just declare today that you sent you knew that and you sent jesus on our behalf Thank you, and he was the model of laying down selfishness and his desires and his needs and his hurt when he became a man and you know was put to death and carried the weight and the burden of this sinful nature so we receive that today as a gift but we also want to come today with repentant hearts and that's that you would soften us that you would help us to see all the areas in which we've been selfish and i thank you that you never condemn us but there's an invitation for us to come and say yes lord selfishness has been at work in my life been at work in my marriage it's been at work um, in my relationships and I'm sorry I confess it I bring it forward I bring it into the light and ask Lord that you would do a work in me thank you father that we don't have to walk alone but that you have um, invited the Holy Spirit to uh, fill us to bring good fruit in our life and to bring transformation and change. And so I pray that for us today, but all of those who are listening as well, that you would transform us into Christ and and how he has called us to walk here um, on this earth. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining this episode of The Simple Truth. 